0: Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show, the big show, the snowy, cold show. It's cold. I mean, it's cold.
1: Calling from the icebox.
0: Yeah, we're in the icebox. We're in North Missouri, and it's cold here. Uh, As you know, we took a trip to Florida because you go away for the winter. You go south. You don't go north. We love Canada. We love going to Canada. We love Thunder Bay. We love Ontario. We'll all, par- well, all parts of Canada we've ever been to in July. Yeah. In July. That's when you go to Canada is not Canada Canada's good in July. July, Because, bar. But, you know, a, part of the deal is here in the Midwest, sometimes Canada comes to visit us. Sometimes <laughs> Canadian Air comes to visit us. And I'm not talking about the airline. Although they do fly into Kansas City, I do believe.
1: I hope they don't land anywhere near us.
0: I hope they don't. So
1: don't have any commercial work.
0: What happens when it gets cold is things freeze.
1: I bet you didn't know that.
0: I bet you yeah okay. (laughs) That's my gift to you. As a prepping guru, which I'm not, but things water freezes at thirty two degrees Fahrenheit, zero degrees centigrade. And so does the stuff in your house if it's not heated. And therein lies a prepping problem. What you gonna do if the electricity goes out? So
1: here we were, down in Florida, hanging out on the beach, walking...
0: 68, 70 degrees. We're, I mean, it's beautiful.
1: Walking Blue in the beach skies. in my shorts, first thing in the morning. Uh, get back, check out what's going on in the world, post from 16 of my Facebook friends about busted pipes in their basements and water running all over the place. And,
0: and we're in Florida. And we're like, okay, that could be bad. And these are people who are at home. And these are people who have not had power outages. And these are houses that have been through winters before. So we have a cascading set of events here. Our first thought is, "Uh uh-oh, are we in trouble? But then we stopped and thought about it because we have... We we have prepped for this very situation.
1: Frankly, we thought about it before we <clears throat> left. We didn't know it was going to get down to minus fifteen, minus twenty. No, it wasn't
0: supposed to do that. It got <laughs> down to minus fifteen point five, I believe it was, at the local weather station. Fifteen point five below zero, and that's pretty cold. You know, when people talk about the wind chill factor. This is kind of a pet peeve of mine. I am not the person to talk about the wind chill factor too, because I think it is. I, it just drives me nuts because people want to make things seem worse than they are. Okay, if you're walking around, you have exposed skin. Yes, wind chill does make a difference. It doesn't make one bit of difference to an automobile. It doesn't make one bit of difference to you sitting inside your house. Now, yes, the wind can blow and, and cause some air leakage into your house, so there is that. But she kind of she's shaking her head the other way. She's a wind chill factor freak or something. I don't know.
1: No, right. it only matters when things are wet. Right. Anything that's wet is subject to extra chilling from evaporation of the wind, but things that are dry don't care.
0: And let me help you. She's talking about liquid wet, not frozen wet. Yeah. So, you know, if you've got a sheet of ice covering the roof of your house, it doesn't care what the wind chill factor is. Wind chill factor basically is important for animals. Because they're out in it and they have, you know, they perspire and they have body moisture around them. It's important for people. And mostly it's important for exposed skin. Now, wind chill, fact, people use that as a, uh, as kind of a, a thing about the wind is really blowing hard and it makes it feel extra cold. That's true. But. In a situation where you're talking about inside of a house, you're talking about pipes freezing, makes zero difference whatever, the wind chill factor. It's the actual physical cold that we're talking about that we need to pay. But at minus 15.5, that's plenty cold to even worry about. You know, oh, my gosh, the wind fifteen 15.5 below, but that wind's blowing makes it feel like 23 below. So what? It's cold. It's darn cold. It's dadgum cold. It's cold. We get it.
1: We hadn't known it was going to be 15 below when we
0: left, But, but we'd known it was winter in Missouri. So we had prepped for it. What happens in winter in Missouri? It gets cold. Okay. What else happens in winter in Missouri? Ice. A lot of it. What happens when you get ice? You get trees with bowing limbs, right? And what happens when trees who are deteriorating get a bowing limb? Boom. The limb falls off. It hits the power line. Power line goes down and it drops power for X amount of people. Power outages in rural Missouri in the winter are exceedingly common, at least one or two a winter.
1: Especially when you get a real ice storm and the lines themselves get so heavy with ice that they just break themselves without a need for a tree.
0: Very, very common event. This is not a, you know, we always talk about uh, probabilities. Whether you prep first for the high probability events that you know are going to happen. Severe weather, ice storms, snow, uh, just kind of flooding, um, at least flash flooding, enough to, you may live on a hill, but you you will drive through valleys, and so this may cut off your communication. You may not be able to get from one town to another because of flooding. Uh, For for us, where the place is located, we have a specific route we have to take if it's flooding because there's only one way into it if it's flooding. Yeah, there's... You know,
1: About three routes, depending on the level of flooding being experienced, right. each one but longer if, and if more roundabout if, if than the full next. it's
0: full-blown flooding, there's one way in yep. and one way out.
1: And it's a very long way
0: around. Well, from us. But yeah. if we lived in the other direction, it would be the shortest way. So, you know. Okay. Anyway, long story short, we know ice is going to happen. We know power outages are going to happen. So what we have to do as preppers is prep for that situation. <laughs> And we need to factor in one other event or one other fact. We put in one other factor is what I'm trying to say. We also know that we travel a lot and we may not be home when this happens. So we have to prep for that.
1: We weren't home the last time the tornado-style winds dropped a chunk of tree on our house.
0: Yeah, and we weren't home when the tornado actually just hit town. We did have a tornado hit town, north part of town. We weren't home. So, it's, of course, we travel a lot. If something happened right now at home, we're on the road. You can hear us, the, the road noise. I apologize about that. We can't broadcast while we're in the car. So, let's talk about some of the things that we have done to prepare for this situation. So, you want to start with some of the the more, uh, the more I want to say, important things that we've done?
1: First thought, thing we thought about was pipes freezing because that's always a risk when it gets cold. So the main thing about that was our main heat is electric. Our backup heat is propane with a wall heater that doesn't need a blower, so it doesn't need electricity to run.
0: Our house is very small. Let's put it that way. We have a small house. We don't. We're, t- we're just a couple. We don't have kids, and so we got basically a. We live in kitchen and three rooms and a bathroom. But we that's, we we have more than that. But that's what we live in. So that's all we have to worry about heating.
1: So we know we turned our electric heat down to, oh sixty 60 or so, because nobody was going to be around to
0: care. I would have left it higher had I known it was going to be that cold. Just because, just So for that safety, heat could safety.
1: spread through the house more. Uh, right. But we also turned the wall heater, which is propane and doesn't need electric, we turned it on on a low setting. Normally it doesn't come on at all, but if the heat went out, the electric heat went out, and the house started to chill down... That one will pop on anyway.
0: Right. It's the kind and of, just that you know, if this is the kind of, if you were to have a heater on a sailboat that has no electricity, think of a large sailboat heater. That's what this is. This is the kind of heater that doesn't require any electricity, whatever. There's no fan. There's no blower. All it requires is to have propane, and we got one of those 500-gallon tanks in the backyard. And it's full every winter. We always make sure it's full. And...
1: It's nice going into a winter, knowing you wouldn't freeze for the whole
0: winter. If this is you want to see power went out, everybody's got their prepping. Ah, moments, spices prep because we turn this off in the summer because you don't want to waste the gas. Not only that, we actually go out and literally turn the gas off, so there's no chance of it leaking out. And we turn the gas off. So when we turn it back on, it takes quite a bit of time. For the gas to come from the big 500 pound propane tank into getting where we can light the heater.
1: Because all and, the gas is diffused out of the line over the summer.
0: Yeah. So, and we have two or three shutoff valves that we use. And that look on her face when the pilot light finally kicks on, and it's on, and we turn the knob. And the thing starts up, of course it's gonna have the dusty smell, because there's no way you can keep that thing clean. I mean, you know, I tried covering it, you still get the dust in the thing. So you get the first the first whiff is that dusty smell, it goes away after five minutes. I mean it's not it's not filthy or anything, it's just and that look on her face is almost beautific when she sees I'm going to have heat this winter no matter what. I have a full tank. I have a heater that's working. I'm sad. I've got this covered for another winter.
1: And we always do that in October, which is earlier than we really need heat up here.
0: Because if we need to fix it, we need we to fix it. We have time to fix it. We have time to fix it that way. We do not depend on it working like now that's, without checking it. Yeah, that's happened then.
1: before. It died over a summer.
0: Yeah, we had to replace it. And that, you know, that, that's fine. Sure. It's cost of doing business. But, uh, yeah, if you're if you're looking for a something, uh, look at a sailboat supplies. If you're looking for this kind of heater, you know, they can also get, like, ventless heaters at the hardware store. And you can get all these other things. There are options. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about using this as a backup heat system. We're not talking about heating your whole house with a thing. You can do that. Um, it's Tends to cause humidity problems if you do that.
1: I wouldn't also want a combustion heater as my main heat source when the house wasn't unvented and I was bundling it up as tight as possible for winter for low airflow. Yeah, I'd no. start thinking about oxygen levels dropping and getting carbon monoxide. We do have a carbon monoxide monitor.
0: Actually, we have two. But yeah, and, and we're two things every home should have. Multiple, well, two sets of things. Multiple. And this is no matter what kind of heat you have, because there's other ways of getting carbon monoxide. The car could be left running in the garage if you have a garage or cook to your house. All kinds smoldering of smoldering fires do smoldering it. Smoldering fires will do it. Yeah, at least two carbon monoxide detectors and a fire uh, a uh, fire alarm in every room. And we don't have a fire alarm in every room because our house is so open, but we have three, and ben only is five rooms, so. So, that is that is a critically important thing. So, that's one of the things we've done. What else have we done?
1: Uh, for the room that is most likely to get cold is the uh, bathroom. We had a electric heater uh, set on low just in that particular room to keep that room warmer than average.
0: Right. Now, when we say electric heater, the, we don't use the ones that blow air. We use, a, okay, there's all kinds of thinking behind this and a 1500 watts of of energy transfer is 1500 watts of energy transfer you know there's the infrared there's there's all kinds of stuff the ones we prefer because this is the bathroom we're talking about and we got the shower in there there's there's water involved and so we just basically you know leave the little heater in there it's one of those 1500 watt radiators It's a radiator heat, so there's no electrical stuff to get wet.
1: The electric is used to warm the oil, and then the warm
0: oil that's running through the radiator actually radiates the heat. We like those better than pretty much everything else. We've also got another one that we can set up in the kitchen if we're going to be away. It's just a backup sort of system, but again, it's electric. Both of these are electric. So what we do is we leave the doors open. Cabinet doors. Yeah, the cabinet doors and stuff like that. And the bathroom door in case we have to depend upon the backup emergency heater kicking on. And so we let it set we had left it set on low when we went away. But it was on. We tested it, made sure it was working. And then it got cold. So we're good. And we came home to a Warm house. Yeah, it was actually warmer than I thought it was going to be. It was—you could yeah. tell the backup heater had been kicking on because it was sixty-eight in the house, and we had it set to sixty. Now our thermo, our our thing runs a little wacky. You have to set it a little lower than it actually gets. Um, so you know, we want—if you want it seventy-two in the room, you set it at sixty-four. I, it's just weird. But as long as you know what it's doing, it really doesn't matter what you set it as long as you know to have a comfortable temperature. And I, I don't like a hot house anyway. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a cool freak. I like cool things.
1: That's what I was just thinking. He hasn't wanted a room set at 72 degrees in the in as long as I've known him.
0: Yeah, I'd be like, <laughs> I, I roasted by then. I just don't like it. Um, so, and another thing that we do is keep ceiling fans running all winter long so it distributes the heat.
1: Yeah, no reason to spend to heat the air at the ceiling and you're cold down at the floor. So that was the main thing.
0: There's, there's other things, too, that we have done in the past that, that don't necessarily translate to what a lot of people think of, but I think are critically important. We, when we bought the house, we have an old house. It's an older house. And uh, it was built in the 20s. And our house is kind of weird in the fact that it used to have... In the bathroom, it had a bathtub, and the bathtub lines were right up against the outside wall, and we always had a problem with those freezing. It would freeze. It, so um, when we remodeled the interior of the bathroom and that, that whole area, the closet area. We we did a whole bunch of stuff. We expanded the bathroom, took out half a closet, blah, blah, blah. But when we did that, we changed where all the, the pipes ran to get them away from that wall. We removed the bathtub entirely, put in a shower instead. Now those pipes run up inside the inside wall. And it's, what, eight feet, six feet away from the, the yeah. outside window?
1: So if you have to remodel your house anyway, that's one thing to look at is where the water lines are routed, because and a lot of people who had them run close to walls. And if you're in a northern scale.
0: climb, when you're actually buying a house, if you if you want to take a good look, find out where all those water lines run, because those are what you really have to worry about, freezing and just causing a hellacious mess. Now, used to be, they used to have baseboard hot water heat, and I cannot recommend strongly enough that you never, ever use this system in a house in a northern climate. Because if... That is your heater, and if the electricity goes out, you got water pipes running to every room of your house.
1: And for those of you who've never experienced this problem, when the pipes freeze, it's not just, oh, I don't have any water until the pipes thaw out. Because water expands when it freezes. And uh, if very much of a pipe freezes, and it's not a really thick-walled pipe. It'll split the pipe right open. And then you come in, you turn on the taps. Dang, my line's froze. Oh, well, I'm sure I'll have water after the heat wave hits in a couple days. No, what you get is a flood in the basement. as, As soon as the pipes thaw out, they start spewing water all over the place from the pipes that split while they were frozen.
0: Or they split inside the wall, and then you get soaked Inside of your wall and, you know, and you're mold getting problems. Awesome, mold yeah. problems and destroyed walls. you just tearing your house half apart. And you say, well, insurance companies will cover that. Yeah, maybe.
1: Not adequately. <laughs> Not if you get wetness in a wall and stuff. They yeah. will fix the most overt of the damage generally. But if you get mold problems or disintegration.
0: Want a giant giant roll? Nope. Okay. We're, we're driving past the place with the giant giant cinnamon rolls.
1: That's Delicious, really cinnamon rolls. good,
0: but my gosh, to the size of a plate. Yeah. So I was just asking her if we want to stop and get her a roll. I don't. Care. We always actually
1: want a roll, but those yeah. are things we cannot I, eat regularly.
0: I don't care for cinnamon rolls. I know I'm a heathen. I eat all of his. <laughs> yeah, she eats all of mine. Um. Okay. Another thing to think about is if you're looking to do to build a house or. Or you're looking to buy a house look at your pipe clustering what i mean by that is generally all and a lot of people don't really think about this but it's true and if you're in the construction trade you're going to roll your eyes i apologize because it seems so obvious to you and pretty much every house is well, not every house but a lot of houses are designed so the all of the plumbing is in just one part of the house in our house because of the way the kitchen is laid out, because of the way where our laundry room is laid out, because where the bathroom is, our whole plumbing system doesn't run more than 20 feet from one side to the other. I mean, it's just all right in one spot. It's just everything is, oh, like the, where the washing machine sits is on the back side of the bathroom. And the other side of that wall is the kitchen where the sink is. It's just how it, it, it was built. It makes a lot of sense. One of, the, one of the really best parts about this, if you have an older house, is it makes replumbing the entire house dead simple and relatively inexpensive. And we did that. We replumbed the entire house. It's um, part of our renovation project, we've, we've replaced all the electrical in the house, rent all new boxes, stuff like that, new roof once. we have to put another roof on it again because we've lived here for almost 30 years. I mean, it's not like the old roof was bad. It was just a 30-year roof, and it's, yeah. it's been 30 years. Been 30 years. So, there you are. So, uh,
1: know where your water shut-off valves are.
0: Absolutely. Every American homeowner needs to know how to A, shut the water off, and B, if in an emergency, drain the system. Okay. Like in our house we have the bathroom, we have the you know, we have a basement. So we have the bathroom, we have the kitchen, we have the laundry room and right underneath it sits the water heater. Okay? And the water comes into our house and we have a drain or a, a Main the shut off valve is just right there. It's all right in that one area, right where it is. The only other pipe that we have, and this is something you've got to watch for if you're not familiar with this. Maybe I'll teach you something. Most people know this, but not everybody. Let's say you have a faucet going to the outside. Almost all of these are, especially if they're, well, I think even Florida people use them. You use the frost-free faucets.
1: They hope they're using them this week.
0: Yeah, I hope they are because it's in the 20s in, in northern Florida. The freeze-free the freeze, free fra- fra- faucets for, you know, your hose spigot. But it's important. This is very important because Spice didn't do this once. And, yeah, I didn't know this until I learned the hard way. We ended up busting a pipe. You have to unhook the hose from the frost-free faucet every year before winter hits. It's critically important to unhook that hose because that faucet can freeze. If that hose is put, po- if that hose is there, the pressure can remain enough pressure to keep water in it. Frost free
1: really means that the water drains back down out of the exposed pipe.
0: Right, and keeping a hose on it can, especially if you have a, a, another end on the hose. You know, and there's water in the hose that's continuous loop. it doesn't drain back. so always make it a point now. It won't do it every time, but it can do it. We know it can do it because it happened to us. And boy that you talk about a, a a surprise you you turn on the you turn on the water and because of how this works, the actual valve in these frost free spigots are I think what, a foot 18 inches back into the house. So that section of pipe between where the valve is, And where the faucet is, is where the bust can happen. And if it does, man, it will spray your house or basement with water. Trust me. It will do it. And it this this ours had about a good inch bust in it. So anyway, that's just something to watch. A lot of people don't know that one. And it's true, and unfortunately it's happened to us. That one's not a not a uh, uh You don't have to Snopes that one.
1: So if you do come home and you turn on the taps and they're not flowing and it's cold, you close the taps back up, you go find your main water valve, you shut down that valve, then you work on thawing out the pipes, and then while somebody is paying attention to what the pipes are doing, you go and uh, try the faucets again. If they just start flowing and there's no water coming out of the pipe everywhere, life is good... If you start getting water spraying all over the basement or whatever, then you go and shut the main valve off again and call the plumber.
0: Right. Now, she's saying to thaw out the pipes. We're talking about thawing out the pipes by setting in a, a heater nearby and warming up the room. I'm not going to say, you know, there's other ways of doing it, but some of them are really dangerous, and you got to know what you're doing. You can burn your house down with a torch.
1: In my Red Cross work this week, I found three separate cases where people burn their houses down by using um, hold my beer and watch this methods of pipe thawing. One guy was using a welding torch set on low to try and thaw his pipes out, and he set his house on fire. Alrighty then. (laughs) So, don't be that guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's real. When you, if I were doing it. Since I'm not an ultra handyman, my way of thawing the pipe out would be would be to inspect it as well as I could to ensure that it has not busted. If it had busted, I would find a shutoff valve and not even, you know, it's time to get the pipe fixed. And if you can do that, that's fine. If you can't, well, then you need to know what you need to do. But if you can't find any, um, you put a heater this is how I would do it. I'm not. I am not a plumber. I do not. This is not a recommendation. I'm just saying what I would do.
1: We have done it before. We've done it
0: before way back when, before we had this all rearranged and figured out. Yeah, we're uh, young. Put and a heater nearby, but out of any line of spray that could happen if I missed a bust in the pipe. So, you know, that
1: man is ice fishing. He's
0: drilling a hole. He's drilling a hole
1: in his pond with
0: an ice auger. Good for him. Good luck to him. It'd be a nice day for ice fishing if you were that. So that's just a that's just a thought. Anything else to add? That's
1: basically what we did to make sure the uh, house was appropriately winterized for our exit.
0: Yeah. And, of course, everything we're talking about here, if you have a 500-gallon, and I recommend if you're going to be having, of course, it depends on your codes and your laws and all that kind of stuff. I recommend if you're going to be having a backup heat system, that it be bottle-fed, not depending upon a utility to deliver natural gas. line It needs to be Propane. It needs to be a bottle, whatever size bottle you want to work. If you want to go with short term, you can get one of these little uh, heaters like we use at the cabin. Uh, well, we'll use the cabin wherever I get it installed. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just one of these installed. little bottle heaters. I wouldn't sleep with the thing on, but I'd be perfectly fine to to, to work with it on. You get a little bottle heater, you know, twenty pound propane bottle goes in the in the back of it. It sits there and runs, and it works It heats the cabin up. So, again, propane, anytime you have any of that stuff, cannot do it without having carbon monoxide heater. Any kind of open flame, anything, including a gas cook stove, you need a carbon monoxide. If your oven's gas, you need a carbon monoxide uh, detector. And the good news is, they used to be really expensive, but now they're not anymore. They're, you know, very inexpensive, 20 bucks or less, so... Got anything else for us, or are we going to hang this one up?
1: Yep, we're good. That's what we wanted to do this time.
0: All right. Thank you, and we'll catch you next time.